season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. To the JKR podcast today, we have Texas native FTB Phillies third baseman and middle infielder in 2023 Texas Tech signee Garrett Bame on the podcast. Garrett, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. I really appreciate it. Awesome, of course, man. So before we kind of get digging into your baseball career a little bit, I do have one question I like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast, and that is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Garrett Bame? Um, hello, I'm Garrett Bame. I'm 17 years old. I'm from Central Texas, and I play third base, middle infield, and I'm committed to Texas Tech. Okay, there we go. So you're down there in Texas, but you also play baseball for F- the FTB Phillies, which I believe is based out of Florida, correct? Yes, Orlando, Florida. Okay, so let's kind of dig into how you got connected with them, got connected with the Phillies. Obviously, when you're at a travel ball event, whether that's, you know, Lake Point or East Cobb, I mean, the Phillies are probably – one of those top tier teams that everyone kind of, you know, goes and wants to watch. So just kind of take us through how you got connected with them. Okay. So I went to um, the power showcase my junior year of high school and I had a buddy there named Max Charles, LSU commit switch hitter, switch thrower. So he was, he was pretty crazy on the field. So uh, I did really good. We kind of clicked and then he texted Nelly and then Nelly got me on the Phillies team. So that's how it started. And then, I texted the guys and they all wanted me and it was a great atmosphere all summer. So a lot of fun with those guys. So awesome. I actually, didn't you guys make it or was it, you guys played Canes national, I think maybe the first round of WWBA was it? Yeah. First round. And then Jupiter, we lost final four. Um, This was like a month ago in November. So we lost um, final four at the WWBA, the fall series. So we made it far. So. So before the FTB Phillies, who were you playing with travel ball wise? Was it more of like a Texas star. team? Yeah, Texas team. Yeah, five star performance national. So we were we were stacked though. We were really good. So okay, so play so playing for two legitimate travel ball teams like the Phillies, like the five star. Uh, I guess kind of go ahead and compare uh, just the different organizations, like how they ran, you know, um, throughout a tournament or just like a day to day basis. Kind of what you've seen. Uh, just how would you compare both those programs? So. For me personally, Five Star was more of a team that we grew from and learned and we got coached more. And then when I hopped over to the Phillies, it was more player ran and we got to be the big dogs and we walked around, you know, heads up and everyone's like, oh, my God, it's the Phillies. So we kind of we it was more player ran than the Five Star, like kind of Nelly and JP just let us do whatever we wanted and and Javi too. Javi's cool too, so he let's do whatever we wanted and we just went out there and balled. Yeah. So you said your your Five Star team was also loaded. Um. So just digging through the Five Star a little bit. Um. What's your relationship like with some of those guys on that team and even some of the coaching staff? Yeah. So um, I started playing with Five Star my eighth grade. So I kind of grew up there and grew up with them and developed with them. So, but the guys are really cool. It's a bunch of Texas boys. So you know, a lot of big 12 commits, SEC commits in Texas. So yeah, they're great. And then the coaches were great. Nico and Dub. Nico really runs the five-star program down here performance. 
and uh, he's a great dude, you know, helped out a lot. So helped my recruiting and helped me grow the baseball player. So, so when you did decide to make that switch to the FTB Phillies, kind of what was that, you know, process of, you know, building relationships with new players that you've never played with before? Kind of take us through that first weekend or first practice, whenever that kind of that first interaction was with some of those players. Kind of take that, take us through that a little bit. Yeah, so this summer when I went my first tournament, it was in uh, – ah, uh, man, I'm trying to think of it. The complex name. Boomba. It was Sanford, Florida, so it was right there. So I rolled up, um, got my gear out of the truck, and then – from Javi and then went over to the cages and started hitting. And, you know, it was, it was kind of dull at first, but like some of the guys came up to me, you know, dabbed me up, showed me some love and introduced themselves. So it, it was really cool meeting them, you know, some, some big name guys and big, big commits, power five commits. So, you know, matched my talent or some guys were even better. So it was, it was cool, you know, going against guys that were equal or better. Cause it, it honestly made me better playing that summer. So I really appreciated like the opportunity that they gave me to play with guys that were just ridiculously talented. So, yeah. So you said you got connected with the Phillies through Nelly, obviously, I mean, that's kind of the name across right. the country that everyone kind of knows and affiliates with the Phillies, but is right. he like the guy in charge there when it comes to um, game days? Cause, or is he more of an assistant coach? Um, JP, Jeff, Perez is the the third base coach so he's kind of the head guy he gives us the talks but Nelly's like the hype guy like the Nelly's the face so like in in the huddle Nelly will hype us up so it's fun though so it's really fun so what are your relationships with you know JP and uh, Nelly um man Nelly Nelly talks to a lot of people so like Nelly's more you know just around but JP like JP's really easy to talk to um, it really wants you to do good. Like, I mean, he'll get in your face too. If you like, I mean, as of a month ago, like we, we played really well, so he didn't have much to say, but when we got down to crunch time and we played the cane, when we played the canes, it was, you know, it was, it was fun. It was, it was, it was really a dream. Yeah. So I guess playing for the Phillies for, you know, like this entire summer, what do you think has led to the success of their program? Obviously having guys like Drew Jones who came through, I know Max Clark played for them for a couple tournaments as well. What do you think's kind of led to that success of that FTB Phillies program? It's it's really just, you know, getting the best guys from each state and coming together and learning off of what each other's learned from their whole baseball career and then dropping knowledge before game, pregame, you know, going to do meets before like in cages or something like that. Like when we're talking, like it's really getting knowledge from them and how they've played the game and that just adds to your game and you just spread it. So Okay. It's really has a big key. All right. So now that now that you've played in your last travel ball season, I mean, now you're coming into your your senior spring season for high school. Just looking back into your, your t- entire travel ball career, so this can be times with the Phillies, times with Five Star. Uh, just looking back at you know your couple, you know, just favorite memories of playing travel ball. You know, either something big time you did in the game or messing around in the hotel room. Uh, just kind of take us through what some of those you know favorite memories are of travel baseball. Right. So I would say the most Man, the the most fun I had in a game was Ju- uh, Georgia, um, WWBA this past summer. Uh, we played the Rolling Scout team, and I hit. I had two doubles, a monster home run. It was probably four twenty, four thirty, um, and then I had a single. So I went four for four in a big playoff game, and it was off like a really good arm. So he was like ninety two, ninety three committed Purdue. Like he was a stud. So. That was a big game. That was that was really fun. I was feeling it that day. But, you know, 
traveling, the funnest part, probably, you know, going to the hotel with the boys, you know, partying it up a little bit. So getting in the pool, you know, I just having fun. Um, so you, you mentioned that guy going to Purdue that you hit that 420 foot bomb off of, I guess, just looking back into, into your, into your entire career so far, who have been like, you know, like the toughest pitchers that you faced so far in terms of travel ball, or, I mean, you can take it even into high school. Cause I mean, right. like we talked right. about earlier, Texas high school baseball is legit. So who's the toughest guy you face? So one of my best friends, Travis Cora, <laughs> um, Round Rock high school, right up the road, you know, we trained together for probably a year and a half, two years. So we've been going head to head for a while, you know, like Travis kind of took off last last spring, you know, started pumping 100 and the rivalry was real. So we got out of game and I, I, I won that first battle. So I, I had a shot off of him. So won that first battle. Yeah. All right. So next, let's say next time you face them, I guess this spring, you guys will probably face each other quite a bit. What's your right. approach heading into that at bat? Well, he started me off with a um oh slider and he left it over the plate so you know still 90 miles an hour as a slider so it's crazy but you know he left it up so I, I made him pay for it but I know he's gonna try to beat me with a fastball next time so I'm gonna sit that fastball and try to drive it the other way yeah because he recently just hit triple digits did he not yeah he he was up to 101 during uh the spring last year shoot man it, cr- imagine being a junior throwing 101 it's crazy no, literally all eyes, all eyes at those games, though. So yeah, I'm sure. Um, so when you are traveling across the country, when it comes to you know playing at Lake Point, East Cobb, I'm sure maybe some facilities down there in Texas as well. What do you think has been like your favorite facility to play at so far? Oh man, um, I'm a big fan of uh, Jupiter. Big fan. The pro fields, those are those are ridiculous. Yeah. You know, real. It's real baseball field. It's not turf. So true hops. You know, big fields, ball plays, so it's fun out there, too. Florida, I love Florida. Yeah. You said you guys made it to the Final Four this past year in Jupiter? Right, we did, yep. It was fun. Okay, so what? So take us through that Jupiter event, kind of how you played, and then even, like, you know, obviously team played great, make it to the Final Four, but just what that was like. So going into that tournament, I really didn't know um, how it was going to be because it was kind of like – um, some of the guys didn't go because they didn't want to hurt their draft stock, you know, going in, like if they did bad. So we took the guys that we had and we added some more guys. Um, we were down a couple pitchers. Cam Johnson didn't throw. Xander Muth didn't throw. Um, but we, we we still had a majority of guys that were really good. So we went in there not really knowing how good we were going to be. But we really we really balled out in pool play. Um, I played pretty good. I think I hit right at 300. I had maybe three, four doubles. Um, but at every game, there was 70, 80, 100 scouts, like just golf carts everywhere from left field to right field, behind the play. You know, it was it was a sight for sure. Um, day one, was it was pretty nerve-wracking, I'd say. Like intimidating, really, um, to see all the scouts there. And, you know, but – after game one, nerves kind of chilled out and just understood that there's there's more days, more games to play, you know, more approaches, more more at bats. So, you know, honed in, hit a double the next day, you know, relaxed and then had fun the rest of the week. Yeah. So you kind of got connected with the Phillies, you said, through that power showcase, which I believe is that the event that you kind of posted about at being at Globe Life Field? Yeah. Globe so Globe Life, my my um sophomore year. And then last year it was at Miami. And then this year was at Miami too. Okay, so you've played at you've played at two major league ballparks before then. Uh, yes, yes, sir. Okay, so take us through the event at Globe Life Field. Obviously, you're kind of staying home there with Globe Life Field. Kind of, I guess, how far is Globe Life Field from where you're at? Uh, 
not too bad at all. What'd you say? You kind of cut out three and a half, three, three and, and a half. half. Okay. Right. Yeah. So what was that like being at Globe Life Field? Kind of, you know, your home team, home uh, ballpark. Uh, take us through that a little bit. And then obviously the, the Marlins park as well, uh, you know, just being on a major league field and just, you know, hitting bombs. Right. So 2020, that was the Globe Life year, my sophomore year. So we went out there. My brother actually won the featured one, which is the older one, um, the year before. So I had high expectations going into that, you know, being a little brother of someone who just won the big one. Um, so I went in there, you know, a little nervous, really, because I had to live up to that expectation. So I went in there, you know, in Texas to how to prove myself. So went in there. I struggled at the first, the first 10 outs. I really struggled, but I hit the furthest one. So I got into the championship. It was like 462 feet. And uh, the next day, the championship, I really clutched up and like relaxed and started just drilling them out. So that was really fun. I get going against some high level competition too. you know, some UNLV commit, San Diego State, uh, USC. So it, it was really fun. Um, and then the next year, Miami, I hit 23 in the championship, 23 home runs in the championship. Um, 468 was my furthest. I hit four with a wood bat and then, you know, the rest 19 with a metal bat. So and then this year went back. Um, I didn't do as well this year. I think I hit like nine, nine out. I went four. I hit one like 480. Um, that was my furthest. But it was fun, you know, scout day, too. Um, last year I was like 93 across the diamond, ran a seven flat, but this year, I don't know what I did yet, but I'm sure it was maybe 95, six, six, eight, six, nine. So been working a lot in the gym and stuff. So, so is that power showcase, is that more of just, you know, of a scout day and a home run derby, or is there an all-star game attached to that as well? There is, um, at the very end, um, after the championship. So the next day it's five days long. So at the very end, it's a all-star game. And this year I didn't play in it, just went home because I wasn't really game ready. Like, I just didn't feel like I was yeah. game ready. Um, but the last two years, it was fun. I did I did the All-Star game, too, so it was fun. Okay. So what was your favorite favorite memory from, from being there? Power Showcase? Okay, my boy Seth Farney, Ole Miss commit. I don't know if you've heard the name, but he's a stud switch hitter, um, outfielder, really high ranked, like potential to get drafted. Um, me and him, we became like really close friends and that was probably my best memory. You know, like he hit, he beat me last year, actually. He hit like 26 home runs in the finals and we, we both set records. So it was like, I set a record and then he set a record and beat yeah. me. And it was just fun. <laughs> it, it was crazy. Yeah. So you said you made that switch from wood bat to metal bat um, right. during that power showcase. Is that certain, like some sort of rule that they have for... Yeah. So you get 20 outs, five with wood, 15 with metal. Okay. So what's that? So this, this isn't, this can be, you know, beyond the power showcase, but what's right. that transition process from, you know, going to metal, going to wood, back to metal wood, because obviously you're playing in different tournaments throughout the summers too. Uh, so right. what's that transition process like for you? So the last, I don't know, maybe three years, it's been all wood. So high school ball is the only time I'll ever use a metal bat. So even my training during high school ball, it's wood bat only. So I don't, I don't really bounce back and forth much. I try to just keep wood because it keeps, it keeps true feel really, you know, it really teaches you barrel control. And that's what I've been working on mainly. I know the power's there, but barrel control, like minimizing strikeouts, you know, finding the barrel, hitting the ball hard, hard hit percentage. Like that's really what I've been working on. So wood bat really teaches me that. 
Yeah. Personally, so, you seen so now this past you said this past year you've kind of been using all wood for training. So have you right. kind of seen like a a bigger evolution in your game? Just you know being in the cage all times with a wood bat. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely feel stronger. So, um, I picked up a metal bat about a week ago, first time in probably eight nine months, and it just felt like a trampoline. Like it just didn't it didn't feel real. Like it shouldn't be legal. I was like telling some of my guys, I was like, dude, this this isn't gonna be fair when I use a metal bat this year. I was like, they need to nerf me with a wood bat, but. <laughs> I need a I need a wood bat. Yeah. But. So I mean, so I guess when you're using metal bats in game, do you use a metal bat at all, like pre-game at all to kind of get that feel? Yeah. Or do you stick all wood bat until actual gameplay? No, on game day it's metal. It's it's got to be all feel. You know, I have to feel that bat before the game and get my hands working with that bat. Yeah. So moving it back to the power showcase, you said your brother actually won it a couple years ago. Yeah, my brother won it um, the year before I went. So he won 2019. Um, he was a COVID kid, so he was a senior 2020. So, yeah, going into his senior year, he won um, Power Showcase, the okay. feature. So where, where is your brother at right now? I, I take so, it he's a junior in college or either playing pro ball? Yeah, he – okay, so he um, – he he's a pitcher now. So funny story. Oh, my, brother okay. my brother was a two-way. He's a big dude. He's 6'5", 245, 250. He started out at A&M. Um, well, he was committed to Texas, had an injury, and then he decommitted from Texas in high school. Um, then he played at A&M his freshman year, transferred out to a junior college, Hill Junior College, and then transferred to another junior college for some, I don't know, some odd reason. Transferred to Blinn, and then now he's at San Jack pitching, and he's like 95, 97, 98. So he, he throws pretty dang hard. So, yeah. Do you think he's going to get some looks here for the 2023 draft? Yeah, for sure. He's he's talking to a couple teams right now, like 10, 15 teams. So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we have the same advisor, so he's trying to get us going to the same team if, if you know, the draft works out and the money's right. So trying to get us to the same team, that would be, that would be cool. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine what that day is going to be like on draft day when you guys, like, if oh. potentially, like, you guys find out you're playing for that same team? Right, correct. Yeah, that's that's really been the talk since we were, you know, could ever imagine getting drafted four or five years old we've always wanted to you know play pro ball together you know live that dream together so so I guess talking about the draft like are you in conversations right now with you know a couple like area scouts or um cross checkers like what's where where are you at in that process right now being a 23 prospect right so um my draft stock really took off after area code tryouts I actually didn't make the team um you know a little salty about that, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. But, you know, at Area Code, I had a big day. I, like, went 94 across the infield, ran a 6-9, and I went two for three in the game. But, you know, we won't get into that. But um, my draft took off at then. You know, I had some scouts call me, and then I really I, – that's when I got an advisor. I've been talking to an advisor for – I've talked to multiple advisors. But, you know, I, I picked one and then gave them that number, and they've been calling my advisor. But I've been working uh, – um, with a couple teams in particular um, going to workouts. Um, and then I had a hitting group. There was a hitting group called South Texas Hit Group, and it was the six best hitters in the South, South Texas. So we went, we did with all 30 clubs. We hit for three weeks straight every Monday. And uh, we really got to, you know, meet and talk to some high up guys. And then after that, um, I did this Texas Scouts Association game. It's the biggest biggest uh amateur game you can really play in texas every area scout is there 
every cross checker, almost every cross checker. And then um, there's some scouting directors there as well. So I went four for four. I hit two doubles uh, and then two singles. So I really popped off there. I got like MVP player of the game, um, made some good plays at third too. So my draft really took off then, started getting some draft prospect link invites and that. So, you know, draft is a pretty complicated situation. So, you know, I have a good advisor to help me with that. So. Yeah. So what, so when you are, you know, building those relationships with area scouts, cross checkers, what are some of those like initial conversations like, and then have you been able to build like stable right. relationships with some guys so far? Yeah. So um, right before I went to Georgia this summer, I had maybe 15, 16 teams reach out and ask me for schedules. That was really when it took off. I'd say I played real good in Georgia. I, went, I hit 571 with three home runs. And, uh, you know, they went – I saw them at all the games. They came up, introduced themselves to me, and, you know, it was a great, a great experience, you know, going out there. A little nerve-wracking at first, of course, you know, playing in front of Texas area scouts. And you know who they are. You see them out that dugout, and you're like, oh, my goodness, here we go. Some big names on the chest, you know, here we go. But, uh, man, learning from – learning how to be composed and learning from those experiences has really helped me get to where I am now. And, and being composed when I do talk to those scouts and when they do text me and ask me to come to workouts and ask me how I've been doing and what I've been doing in the weight room and how I've been eating and stuff like that, you know, it's, it's big time, you know, staying composed and, you know, being yourself. That's the big key for me. Yeah, so you talk about, like, learning how to be composed around, you know, those those scouts, those cross-checkers. Take us through that, you know, that first conversation you had with the scout, kind of, you know, what's going through your mind. You know, obviously, you're a 16-, 17-year-old kid talking to a, ma- a guy who's a part of a major league baseball team. Uh, right. So, I guess just take us through kind of that first conversation you had with the scout. Okay, Um man, it was it was actually at the Power Showcase my, my freshman year. Um, I think a Dodgers cross-checker came up to me and, like, asked me um, what high school I went to. And I was like, well, I go to Hutto High School. It's in Texas. And he was a cross-checker. And he was like, oh, okay, like, I know where that's at. Actually, I've, I've seen some guys play out there in Texas. And we just went on. And I was – I was my heart was beating, you know. I was, it was going 100 miles an hour. It, it was cool. Like, I learned a lot from how to talk to scouts and really, like, you know, they they know you're human, like, and you're going to make mistakes and say stupid things, you know, especially when you're nervous. Yeah. But like, being respectful, like, yes, sir, no, sir, you know what I mean? Like, stuff like that. It'll really help you in the long run. Yeah. All right. So, you said you and your brother both have the same advisor, and he's definitely, like, helps you out throughout this process and will continue to help you out these next, you know, so, so many months and then onto your baseball uh, pro- professional career. But uh, when did advisors kind of like start reaching out to you? My sophomore year of high school. Okay. And when they were reaching out, was it more like, were they in person or were people shooting you text? Uh, text. Yeah, text. I had a, I had a, a two or three called me and then probably 15, 20 texted me. And then I had, a, I had someone come watch me. My going into my junior year um, at a tournament, he came to watch me play and he came and introduced himself after. And that was really when it took off. And I, I stayed in communication to see who was going to be the best fit for me. Yeah. So as you were going through that process of, you know, uh, handling the people who were calling you, texting you, uh, meeting in person, what were some of those key things that you were looking for within an advisor, within an agent before you ultimately make that decision, made that decision? Um. A lot of uh, man, I would say human, 
human qualities, you know, not so business orientated, robotic, like a mindset where it's equal to mine and not, oh man, I just want to make a quick dollar off this kid, this 17, 18 year old kid that has the potential to get drafted to high school. I don't want to rush him into rookie ball and him be a bust. Like I don't, I didn't want that. I didn't want a guy that just wanted to make that, that draft money off me. I wanted a guy that was going to make, you know, second contract, third contract off me that believed in me that could make, I could make it to the actual professional like MLB. So that was, that was big for me. Um, and how he how he acted towards my family, towards, you know, other people asking around, like, who is this guy? Like, how well is he known? Like, do area scouts know him? Do cross checkers know him? Do scouting directors know him? How does he relate to these big time organizations? Does he know the owners? Does he know the GMs? So those that all came into play and having conversations and him really believing me, checking up on me, stuff like that, you know, seeing how my eating, my workouts, my hitting, like it's deeper than just the business side. It's really, you know, getting to know that person. Yeah. So when you were going through this process, was there anything that an, a specific agent did that, you know, caught your attention in a way that like, like did not impress you whatsoever? Did not. Okay. Did not. Um, yeah. I would say talk too much about where he could get me. And him say, yeah, I could get you this much money, this X amount of dollar, this round. Like, like you don't really know that. Like, you don't know. I'm a sophomore in high school. I have a lot to learn, man. Like, um, stuff like that. Like, I didn't like talking about numbers. I didn't like talking about other people. I just like doing my own thing, you know, growing as a player. I was young. Now it's a little more serious, um, a little more money orientated and round number and, you know, getting getting right to where I do need to be this strong, this fast, you know, to get myself through rookie ball, through the lower stages. So, you know, when it did come time to meet, you know, some of the advisors, some of the agents, like actually in person, for the most part, did those agents and advisors um, just show up and you guys had a, like a genuine conversation or did some guys kind of show up with like a, a presentation that kind of went through the whole uh, process and the benefits of signing with their or, or choosing their their agency? I would say it was a healthy mix of both. Um, and the one I did go with was the guy that had a genuine conversation with me. And the, the dudes that told me that they could present me this plan, this master plan of getting me drafted in the first round, like, you know, hoax that I can be this guy. And like, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be myself. You know what I mean? So grow from through my past experiences. And I just wanted to be the best I could be at everything I do. So um, it was it was a healthy mix of both. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and kind of transition into, you know, high school baseball. Like I said, I truly believe Texas baseball is number one. Um, I, like I said, I might be a little biased. You might be a little biased too. But, I mean, Texas is definitely top two, maybe not even number two. Uh, but uh, so digging into it a little bit. Uh, so take us through your, your first three years, you know, playing Texas high school baseball, um, I guess just on a personal level and on a team level, um, and then kind of what the outlook is on this upcoming season. Okay, so my freshman year was really cool. Um, it got cut short, you know, 2020. So that year got cut short. So it kind of sucked. Um, we had a super senior loaded class. We had 15, 16 seniors. And my brother was on that team. So he was a two-way guy, four-hole, you know, ace. Um, kind of did it all guy. And I grew up with those kids. So it was awesome. Those kids always came to my house. Those yeah. seniors go train together. And I was always that little brother to – all 15 of them and they were all studs most of them are out playing college baseball right now um 
So it, I had an advantage, but there was a down factor of me being a freshman with 15, 16 seniors. You know, the coach really didn't believe in putting freshmen on varsity. But, you know, I set out a mission to change that. So, you know, I worked I worked my tail off in the weight room, and I, I really got right at it, weight gain speed, hit the ball further than ever, um, proved myself that I should be on varsity. I went out in tryouts, blew everyone out of the water, you know, put up crazy numbers. And, uh, man, I, I earned that spot and I earned a three hole spot as a freshman on a team full of seniors. And, uh, you know, I was, I was proud of myself. You know, I hit maybe in that short season, I hit 380, 386, um, as a freshman, you know, in 6A, 6A baseball, you know, seeing 95, big A&M commits, Auburn commits, you know, all these big SEC guys. So it really taught me how to, uh, work, how to, how to work and how to reach in the bag. So for sure. And then moving into your sophomore and junior years, kind of how did that go for a team perspective? Because obviously your sophomore year, you guys are, I mean, you just lost 15, 16 seniors at that point. So take us through these past couple of years. So my, I would say my freshman year, I learned how to catch up and be with those guys. But my sophomore year, I was alone. I was at the top and, you know, I had, I had to challenge myself, you know, me versus me. So I had to get better by myself. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It really taught me character. And I was at the top, but I realized, like, I got to be that leader. I have to help everyone else, you know, get to that level where they should be to win ball games. And uh, I really I really feel like I grew the team, grew each guy as a player. Um, my coach really was impressed um, with who I became because I did take that leadership role and, you know, really stepped up and tried to show people, you know, the right way. Yeah. So playing at that 6A level, how do you guys expect to compete, you know, this upcoming year? Like, what's that competition level look like? Um. So this year we have a new district and it's going to be not as good as last year. Last year we had Round Rock, Travis Sikora. We had all these big, you know, every team last year had two to three power five demo commits. And they're all pitchers. I don't know why, but they're all pitchers. But this year we're in a weaker, weaker district. So we're, we're predicted to roll through it because we have about 18, 21 seniors, I think. 21 seniors that are going to have the chance to play, and we're going to have about 90 kids try out. So, you know, we're going to be senior loaded. We're going to carry about 25 kids. We have a good sophomore. We have three good juniors, and the rest are going to be seniors. So a lot of experience through the program, which is going to be huge. So besides yourself, who are some other guys that, you know, just Texas high school baseball fans should be on the lookout for? Um, so there's a, our center fielder leadoff, um, Zion Hamilton, um, guy absolutely flies. Like he, he's fast, um, wiry, you know, kind of go getter guy, you know, show emotion. Um, he'll win it. Like he, he ain't losing, like there's no losing him. And then at the middle infielder, we have a Western Texas, uh, junior college commit, uh, Levi Fletcher. He can play too, you know, smaller guy, you know, uses his size to help him though, you know, bunt the ball do whatever is necessary for the team to win a game. So those two guys will really help me and lead the program. Okay. So besides your guy, Travis Sikora, who's that maybe pitcher number two that you're looking forward to facing this, this spring? Oh man, man. In Texas, I would say we would, we would have to go a couple rounds deep and, uh, we would have to go like Lake Travis, you know, Austin Baker, I think is his name. He's an Alabama commit. Um, he's a 23, you know, low 90s. Um, but he has a pretty big name in Texas right now. So that would be a good matchup. Okay. So what is so what does that look like when it comes to the Texas State, the, the, I guess the state tournament or state championship for Texas high school baseball? Because I know you said like 6A. 
but like how does that work in texas so you have i know you have a 6a d1 a 6a d2 and then you have a 5a d1 and a 5a d2 and then you have 4a 3a 2a and then one and uh so we'll play well it'll be final four get to play at the Dell Diamond, which is the Round Rock Express Field, the AAA team for the Rangers. And the final four make it and you go six rounds and then you get to the semis, which is the four. Um, and then you play Duke it out there and then winners victorious. Okay. So in this new district, what's that competition level look like when it comes to, you know, other teams? Like are there a lot of other guys who have power five commits on their team, or for the most part, are you one of the only guys? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm the only guy in the district. Um, I think Waco Midway has one guy. I think he's committed to Wichita State. He's a pitcher. I think he's upper 80s, you know, senior. Um, but we're really not really not worried about, you know, district. We're worried about, you know, longer, you know, round two, round three. Yeah. So you said you're based in Central Texas, which you said Waco Central. Obviously, that's kind of like Central Texas, I take it. So where yeah. are you – like where are you from, from uh, like the bigger cities like Dallas, Houston, um, where Texas Tech is at, um, right. College Station? Like where are you kind of – where are you located in terms of like those big locations? North of Austin. So 30 minutes north of Austin, if if you know where that is. That's capital. Okay. Yeah, so I went, so I went there for spring break. A weird spring break destination, I guess. But right. went to Texas and, you know, went to Waco and – uh Went to Fort Worth. I mean, I'm I'm from Indiana. So like I mean, we're country, but we're not like that country. Right. So like when I was there, I mean I was I was pretty pretty pumped to be there all week. It was a pretty cool experience. Yeah, so so I'm actually a country boy myself. So I live I live in the sticks. Like I live I live outside of the city. Um I live in a town. It's it's called Taylor, but I go to Huddo High School. So I live in between Taylor and in between Huddo. So I get to pick where I go to school. So I can either go to a 4A school, Taylor, or I could go to this 6A school, Hutto, and face better competition. That's why I chose that. Okay, that, that makes sense. Um, right. so, in, so in Texas, I mean, what are a couple of things you like enjoy doing? And obviously, you said you live in the sticks. So are you, you know, going hunting, going fishing? Oh, yeah, for sure. So we actually own a deer lease or, yeah, deer ranch, I guess, not a lease. So we own 600 acres in West Texas, which is halfway to Lubbock. So it's about two hours and Lubbock's about five. So on the way to Lubbock, you know, deer lease in the middle. So it's it's awesome. So yeah. when I go there, you know, it's right in the middle. Got to got to make you got to make like uh, trips home to go uh, do deer hunting in the in the fall. Oh, yeah. For sure, for sure. But um, so I take it with only be I mean five hours is I mean that's a little bit of a drive, but not terrible. You like are you assuming your parents will probably make it out to quite a few games in Lubbock? Oh yeah, my parents are baseball nuts for sure. They they don't miss a game at all. So they're, so they're traveling in the summertime too, heading to you know Georgia, Bama, and all those different places. Yeah, yeah. My mom my mom goes to every tournament. My dad tries to go as much as possible. So my dad probably wins about half. My mom my mom didn't miss a game. So okay. so you said your sophomore year, you know, you kind of emerged as a leader with you guys losing sixteen seniors. You were kind of that one guy that was returning to that lineup. Um, so how has that leadership role kind of evolved these past couple of years? Obviously now you're a senior, you're a power five commit. How has that just leadership role evolved these past couple of years? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great question. Honestly, that's huge because, you know, being a leader goes further than just baseball. Being a leader is being a leader in the classroom, being a leader in the weight room, being a leader away from any of school, you know, any baseball, any working out. Um, but I really, I really picked up a leadership role in the weight room. I really, I really honed in on getting stronger, getting faster, getting more athletic. 
And those guys will follow me in the weight room and be like, dang, I want to lift heavy. I want to lift this much weight. And I'm like, okay, like come lift with me. Like come lift 450, come lift 500 pounds. So, you know, I would just get guys stronger, more athletic. And then same thing in the classroom, you know, I would have these guys, you know, messing around in the back. I'm like, hey, guys, let's go. Let's focus up. Like, let's let's get right. Like, come on, let's pass. You know, let's play. Let's play this year. Let's not fail out spring ball. You know, you've been you've been going to school for, you know, 12 years. Like, come on, we're almost done. Um, but, you know, we have a we have a new rule at school. It's it's A's and B's are no play. We got a new coach. So A's and B's are no play. So I'm really on these guys' tails about, you know, yeah. A's and B's. We got to have these guys, you know, all hands on deck kind of kind of year. So what, so you mentioned you guys have a new coach now and that's his new rule. So like, what has that transition process been going from, you know, your coach from your freshman, sophomore, junior year to now being a senior and now you have a new coach kind of running that lineup, that score for that lineup card. Um, so, so what's that this, transition been? this is actually the third coach we've had. So my freshman year, it was a, a younger guy. Um, and then my sophomore year, um, same guy and then last year we had another guy step up because he left went to another school and then this year we hired another guy an outsider um, but this guy's really good you know he's really strict he's he's changed a lot but we needed it so I, I mean I respect it um, a lot more strict um, a lot a lot more rules um, but we we get a lot more work in you know we transition to morning workouts so before school and then baseball's block so eighth and ninth is baseball so we'll go to the field four times a week and then we'll be in the weight room three to four times a week before school. So it's, re it's really grow grown us as people, you know, being more responsible, like actually getting up and going there. Cause I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it's draining really um, getting up early and, you know, going to school for eight hours and then practicing for two. And then some of us go hit after and throw after. So we're there for another three hours. So, you know, 12, 13 hour days, you know, just a normal day. So, yeah. so you talk, you talk about that baseball block, which I assume is kind of the way you guys are, refer to like, I guess the baseball class period that I've kind of yeah. like Texas high schools have. So what does that like, I guess, average day look, I know you kind of just dug into it, but what does that look like in terms of like the baseball class period? Right. So this is the first year, this is a thing. So usually baseball is just ninth period which we have nine periods, each period's 50 minutes long, and lunch is 50 minutes the same, which is either fourth, fifth, or sixth. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then this year, eighth and ninth is baseball. So we have an hour and what, 40, 50 minutes. Um, but that's huge for us. We've really, we've really took advantage of that. And we've, we've gone straight to the field, start stretching, get on bands, and let's roll. So. so at that point, with it being at the end of the day, it's kind of just like, you know, like an extended – time for practice you guys just start in practice earlier I take it right yeah because I've talked to a couple guys and when they told me this I was like blown away that they'll have like their baseball or football period like midday and I'm just like how does I mean in my mind I'm thinking how does that make any sense because you don't want to go like get all like you're basically just having like a gym class period at that point and, right. and it didn't make any sense to me but no like either at the beginning or at the end that's when it obviously at the end makes the most sense uh, no, didn't make any sense for me what, for some of those schools making it midday. Yeah, um, I agree. But talk, like digging more into the classroom, I know you. So with you being a senior heading to Texas Tech, I'm sure you're like in that process right now of like I guess like choosing a major or like just finalizing everything now that you're signed. Um, right. So like what what's going through your mind right now in terms of you know your major or certain things you're wanting to study when you head to Texas Tech. Right. So I'm actually majoring in agribusiness, so agricultural business. Um, 
that's what that's kind of what I grew up doing. So, you know, my background in that, you know, interest in that because that's what my family does and stuff like that. So um, in the classroom, it's really I stepped up this year. You know, I've made all A's all year. So I really like focused up and I was like, you know what, senior year, let's go all out. Like, no, no regrets, no anything. So I stepped up. I got a 4-0 this year. So, you know, really focusing up on schoolwork and, and baseball, you know, balancing it as a sophomore, junior is really hard to do. But learning how to balance it as a senior, you know, you have to figure it out. Yeah. So you said that agribusiness is kind of what you grew up in. So you guys have that deer ranch um, there two hours away. Is that what you're referring to or is there something no. else your parents are in? in? Um, so my dad farms. We have 3,000 acres like out here. So, yeah, my dad farms. Um, my mom helps out, too. But, yeah, it's it's been a big operation, big family, you know, generations. Uh, me and my brother help out during the summer. So, you know, we have our own baseball facility. My dad built us our own field and baseball facility. So we're there every day. So open land, we get to do whatever we want, you know, hunt out here. So fish out here, same thing. So when you guys are farming down there in Texas, is that more of like ranch with cattle and stuff? Or are you guys oh. actually crop farming? But yeah, row crop and and cattle. So we have both. And then te in Texas, is it st still just corn and beans? Because I know that's what it has here in Indiana. Yeah, corn and cotton. Cotton. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't realize cotton was popular yeah. down there in Texas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially West Texas, actually, where I'm going to school. So Lubbock, okay. huge. That's huge. The cotton capital of the world. So. All right. So um, you talk about the weight room there a little bit, too. So like kind of like right now as the offseason heading into your spring, uh, se your senior spring, uh, what's like some things that you're focusing on in the weight room and kind of what your uh, um, I guess your schedule looks like there in the weight room? Um, So right now is a strength phase. So I'm trying to get as strong as possible. And I'm, I'm a little I'm a little heavier than what I will be during the season. Like right now I'm like six three, two fifteen. And during the season I'm gonna be about six three, two oh five, two oh six, two oh seven around there. So right now I'm I'm cutting down weight, but I'm still trying to add strength. And then when I cut, I'll be faster, quicker, more athletic, and still have that strength of when I was two fifteen. Um so right now it's a strength progression, you know, getting strong. You know, I, I we're maxing right now and I was like uh three thirty five front squat. Um couple days ago um but yeah it, it's been fun you know getting after in the weight room lifting heavy I, I love lifting heavy so what are some of those other matches you got besides that 335 uh, front squat um so tomorrow we're straight bar deadlifting max but um trap bar I've done five 500 plus so you know tomorrow I'm going for like 475 this straight bar so yeah I mean I always I so I was a football baseball player I mean those max weeks those yeah. are my, if you can't tell, I'm, if you can't tell I'm a bigger guy too so I mean whenever we would do maxes I'm like shit like let's go like let's let's do it um, oh yeah those are always my favorite weeks but uh so let's kind of move into the recruiting process a little bit that actually landed you at Texas Tech um so I mean from from here in the story it sounds like your family's you know pretty invested in Texas uh, colleges you know brother committed right. to AM committed right. to Texas as well for a little bit you going to Texas Tech um, I guess just take us through that recruiting process, kind of when it got started for you and like when division one team started reaching out to you. Okay. So I, I was, I was, a, I would say I was a pretty early bloomer. So when I was seventh and eighth grade, I, uh, I was more of a pitcher, you know, I was throwing hard. I was seventh grader throwing 85. Like I was, I was, you know, taller, six foot, six one as a seventh grader throwing 85. And, you know, that's really when I started 
getting D1 attention about eighth grade year. Um, eighth grade, I went in there. I had, I had a few um, – hang on. Oh, I had a few uh, schools reach out, um, really going into freshman year, some big-time schools, like some, some SEC schools, some Big 12 schools, some ACC schools. And uh, freshman year, I got, I, got, um, I got a couple offers um, to go play out-of-state SEC schools, you know, Arkansas – um, Houston, um, some big offers, you know, I was talking to OSU, LSU, some big schools. I really did want to stay in Texas. That was, that was the dream that in state tuition, you know, it's a little different, um, play in front of the home, home state. So that was big for me in the recruiting process. Okay. So you, you talked about OSU and Arkansas and LSU and all those different schools as well. Um, so what were some of those initial conversations like you were having with some of those in-state schools, some other schools like Arkansas and those other schools you mentioned? Uh, what were some of those initial conversations like? And for the most part, were they similar or did some schools have like a different way of going about it? Honestly, they were all the same. <laughs> like all of them talked about their campus, you know, their winning history and they, how they were going to be the best team and how you can benefit their program. And you know, it, recruiting is is something that um, it's like a shark game, like shark tank. Like, you know, it's it's biting at the head. You know, I'm better than them. I'm, you know, but you have to be that as a player. Like, oh, why? Why do I want to go here? Like you you sell it to me. And, uh, you know, I really I really just clicked with tech. And I told them like straight up that I had big time offers. So, like, why should I pick tech? And they really laid it out. They really talked to me. You know, they were they're willing to do anything to get me, basically. So, you know, that really clicked. You know, they made it seem more personal and more that they needed me and I don't need them. So that was huge. Yeah. I mean, and they've produced, you know, some pretty dang good uh, third baseman and short middle infielders the past couple of years. For sure. So, um, yeah, that, that, you know, power. Power is my game. You know, I love hitting home runs. I'm a big home run guy. And, they, they love home runs. Like, if you hit nukes, you play. Like, and that's me. Like, I love hitting home runs. So, hopefully, I'll, you know, have the chance to play as a freshman. So, you know, show the power game off. Yeah. So, when it did come time for you to make that decision, were there a couple schools that finished you, like, a close second or a close third in that process? Yeah. Um, Arkansas. It was between Tech and Arkansas. So, um, Arkansas made made a great offer. You know, I loved, I loved Coach Thompson and, and what they offered me. Um, was huge, you know, huge for me and my family, and I appreciated it. And all the schools that reached out, I really appreciated what they what they had to offer and them believing in me. Um, but Arkansas was the first school that actually offered me, so it was it was big. Um, as a freshman, you know, believing in me at 14 years old, like that that takes some guts. And um, they were they were a close second, you know. It was more of a uh, good opportunity to stay in Texas and have an equal, I'd say playing team you know Arkansas Tech like clash like that's just how it is it always is and two of the best baseball programs in the country and it came down to staying in Texas and and really getting a great shot to play so yeah so um do you kind of remember the day where you like where it kind of hit hit you that Texas Tech was the place you wanted to go yeah um actually they they I knew Texas Tech was the place I wanted to go before they offered me that was kind of my dream spot. It was A&M and Texas Tech. It was like if one of them offered me, it was going to be heavy on the on the interest side. So Arkansas had offered, a couple of big schools had offered, and uh, Texas Tech offered. And, man, I was like, golly, I was sitting at this table, and I remember I was like, golly, this is a decision of a lifetime. Don't make the wrong one. So um, 
I called Coach or Gar- Coach Gardner. Yeah, I called Coach Gardner, and he made the offer and told me that they're really interested. And so he told me to give him a call that night, and the, he'll just lay it out, you know, no pressure. So I was like, all right, I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to talk to my family, talk to my brother, talk to some friends, talk to some family. And uh, my brother actually was good friends with a coach um, that knew the tech staff and the Arkansas staff. And he uh, he texted me, reached out and weighed the benefits of both programs. And I appreciated it because, you know, I didn't really I didn't really know I was 14 years old. Like that's a big decision for a 14 year old. So uh, he, he waited out for me, you know, really didn't try to guide me one way. Didn't tell me go to tech. Didn't tell me go to Arkansas. He just benefits of both. And uh, it, it clicked, you know, there was, there was really no second thought like tech was where I wanted to go. You know, it was a family and that's where I belonged. So I called him back that night and I told him I'm in and, you know, it made me feel great. He was like, let's like, let's go fired up, you know, going to celebrate with some steaks. And, you know, it was fun. It was, it was a great experience. Yeah. So what, so the Texas tech, did they have a, did their coach move since you've committed? No, no, no. So coach Tadlock, the head coach actually signed a lifetime contract. Oh, okay. So I guess that's, that's also another, you know, key thing that, when you were committed there, that's another thing that kind of wants you to go there because you have that stability of having that same head coach and he's not going to leave. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I've heard nothing but great things about them, the coaching staff. And as I've talked to, went on my official visit, you know, it, it's been nothing but welcoming me into a family and it's, they've honestly been nothing short of great. So I, I appreciate everything they've given me, offered me, you know, and I'm excited to get there and get out, you know, I'm sure. So how, how has that relationship evolved? Obviously you committed as a 14, 15 year old. Um, how has that, re, how has that evolved now that, you know, you're a senior, you're a little bit more mature. Um, and now it's past that deadline to where they can, you can talk to them with no uh, restrictions. So how has that relationship evolved um, with that coaching staff? Yeah. So um, man, it, it's been, it's been a wild ride, you know, just playing baseball, you know, but committing, committing at such a young age it takes some pressure off your shoulders you know it's I don't have to I don't have to do this at this at this and I don't have to go to this every weekend because I'm already I'm already locked down on this school so tech you know tech being my school um but the relationships have grown with the recruiting coordinator a lot um prior to my senior year you know we would talk and get on the phone and he would be great you know come watch me play really tell me like i'm i'm I have a chance to be that guy that guy you know face the program so i mean i got to work for it but you know i'm willing to do whatever it takes and then this my senior year um coach thomas j bob um, he's really you know, reached out and asked me if I needed anything, like helped me with the whole NIL or NLI and, you know, the signing stuff. And he's really been great. And then Coach Tadlock, I met him last year um, in Jupiter, you know, shook my hand, had a conversation. Um, great guy, super nice dude, like super genuine guy. Like if he if he believes in you, you know, we're rolling with you. So um, that kind of relationship has really grown, like believing in me, like, cause I mean, baseball, baseball players are up and down, you know, baseball is a game of failure, you know, there's going to be more failure than success. So they really have to believe in me when I fail that I can succeed. So that's huge for me. Yeah. So you did sign that national letter of intent, you know, what was it in November at some point? Um, yeah. So yeah. what did that feel like, you know, finally put in that pen to paper after, you yeah. know, you've been committed there for so long, What'd that feel like, you know, finally making it official? 
Yeah, man, that was huge. You know, doing it with my family, you know, it was it was surreal, honestly. Um, finally getting to sign, you know, something I've dreamed of since I was in elementary school. Like, dang, I I would really want to be a D one player. You know, I really want to be a D one guy. So, I mean, signing that that national letter of intent was huge. You know, it's like a mission mission success. Like, accomplish something. Like one of my many goals. That was just a small portion of what hopefully I can become. Yeah. So since you did commit, you know, somewhat early into your high school career, did you know you play a role in somebody else's uh, recruiting process in terms of, you know, like, hey, Texas Tech is the place to go. Like, did you, you know, try to persuade or try to pitch Texas Tech to some of your your teammates? Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, when I when I was playing on five star when I was younger, um, there was a bunch of guys that you knew that were going to go power five. They had offers. And I was like, man, like, um, for instance, J.M. Long and Davis Rivers, two guys. Davis Rivers was actually committed to somewhere else, ACU, Abilene Christian, a mid-major D1 at a young age. So I was like, dude, why'd you do that? Like, come on, let's roll a tech. And he's a catcher, stud, super strong. Like, he can hit the ball very far. So I told him, I was like, bro, let's roll. Like, let's go to tech. So he decided to decommit. And, uh, you know, a couple months later, you know, Red Raiders come knocking on the door and we secured Davis Rivers. So and Davis Rivers is super high ranked. I think he's like 120 in the class on PGE nationally. So he's up there. And then J.M. Long, um, another corner infielder, you know, smaller, kind of smaller corner infielder, you know, possibility to play second, you know, maybe the outfield, but lefty hitter. Um, he He's really, really good. Um Man, we've been friends for a long time, and, you know, he had big interests, you know, Tennessee, LSU, big schools. And I was like, dude, let's go. Like, Tech is a spy, you know. You'll fit in great. And, you know, after Jupiter, they went to watch him play. They offered him one of the nights of a Jupiter game, and he called me, and he was like, dude, let's do it. So we rocked and rolled. So talked to Gardner and J-Bob about him, and they they were in on it. So, Man, that Texas Tech coaching staff's got some thinking to do for you. Shoot. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But besides those two guys, are there like relationships you have with some other Texas Tech signees or even guys who are committed there or even there now as freshmen? Yeah, man, I actually have a good relationship with uh, Travis Sanders. He got drafted in the twelfth round to the Red Sox last year, um, but turned it down. Went to Tech. Um, he's gonna he's gonna have a chance to start this year as a fresh true freshman, and uh, maybe third base, maybe a little shortstop. But he's a stud. Went to Coppers Cove, about forty five minutes away from where I'm from um he's he you know we've been through it together you know he's really he's it's true like he's got through the whole drafting like he's been like you know what don't get too big don't think too much like there's more games to be played like don't if you hit a home run this game you strike out this game bro don't don't press it just keep going you know scouts will be at every game so he's really helped me, honestly. Um, and then he's at Tech. So, you know, when I get there, it'll be it'll be me and him. Um, you know, as a left side of the infield, if he plays short, I play third. You know, that'll be a decent side, left side. So, um, and then Gage Harrelson, uh, he's from Georgia, Houston County, um, stud. He played for five-star. Um, he's a lefty hitter, outfielder, but he has a chance to start too. Um, really nice kid, you know. He was actually my uh, – my official visit tour guy. So it was fun, you know, getting out there with him, showing me around. So, um, yeah, there's a couple guys, really, Jarek, um, Maxie, um, and then some guys I met there at my visit. 
um, some big name guys. It's like, dang, like, yeah, I see you on TV. Now we're teaming. <laughs> like, um, so talking about that visit, what was that visit like for you in terms of like, what were they showing you? Uh, what, like just overall, I guess, vibes of campus and how you kind of liked like the different aspects of it? Um, so, so coming from my countryside of the background, you know, Texas Tech is super country. Like it's super in the middle of nowhere. And people come up to me like, dude, like you really want to go to Tech? Like it's in the middle of nowhere. Like there's nothing to do. And I'm like, well, that's how I grew up, fam. Like this is how I live. This is like, it's the same thing. So going down there, I knew what I was getting myself into. Like, man, not much around. But like when you get into the actual city, you know, everyone's repping Texas Tech stuff. Everyone's in the red and black. You're like, dang, like, this is fan love. Like, you know, when I know when I step on that field, you know, you're going to have the whole freaking town behind you, thousands of people. Um, So I went on my visit and it, it was like, it was, it was like a movie. Like we were in a movie, like, you know, we're walking around the field, walking around the campus, going to the coach's office and him breaking it down and how we're going to win games, how they're going to use me and how they're going to use the other kid. Well, the other kid that went on the visit with me was TJ Pompey. And TJ Pompey's a stud. <laughs> <laughs> so me and tj went on our official together and me and tj you know kind of chopped it up and talked about like draft and what what would happen you know for future reference and um it was interesting getting his side of it because i mean he's he's gonna go pretty early he'll have that call pretty dang early so um you know we went to a, a boston red sox workout together um a couple like a month month and a half before the official visit so we met there and we we're going to visit together like that'll be fun and we're just, I mean it was a Red Sox workout like it was like us me and him and like three other guys so it was pretty fun but yeah that was my official so was the so take us through that Red Sox uh workout a little bit and were there other teams that you worked out for like individually like that yeah so um the Red Sox we did a mobility test a sprint you know 60 or a 30 I guess a 30 yard sprint infield then they did outfield and then we did bp you know we really got to talk to the scouting directors or scouting director and then some cross checkers and the area guy um it was, it was great you know that was right before jupiter and they told me they were going to come watch me and it was it, you know it was it was fun you know um and then after that i had the red Sox. i mean the red Sox. yeah uh, the uh, blue jays guy he uh he reached out and invited me to a hitting group and with the hitting group, it was it was maybe like 30 teams, almost, yeah, pretty much every team um, in that hitting group. And uh, we chopped it up with all the guys, all the scouts. And it, it was interesting learning their sides of the game and how they have to attack players and what they look for in players and learning from those guys. And um, coming up, I have a workout with the Tigers, um, January 8th. I have a workout with the Tigers. So that'll be fun. Um so never stops always going always got so where's that where's that workout out um where's that workout at with the tigers um it's in san antonio so about a couple hours away so be a couple of us again some south guys um you know scott and Greg will be there same thing for you know all the other teams yeah all right so let's kind of move into you're actually like on the field play a little bit um like hitting approach uh different just different types of things um so you are listed as a third baseman and a middle infielder so as you head to texas tech i know you've mentioned there a couple times you'll be playing the hot corner but like what do you think the plan is just moving into the future in terms of playing third base playing somewhere in the middle infield kind of where's where, where's that looking at like right, right now 
So the main thing with tech is getting my bat in the lineup and doing whatever is necessary to get my bat in the lineup when I'm hot. Um, so I can, I mean, I'm pretty versatile. I can play third, short, second, first, right, left. And even, I even pitch too. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little bit at tech. So I'm, I'm right now, I'm 90, 93, 94. Um, so, you know, I have a decent arm, so it'll be fun. They're, they're going to use me in that closing role when necessary. Um, but mainly just hitting, um, playing third corner outfield, um, getting my bat in the lineup, DH role okay. too. Okay. So let's kind of dig into the pitching side of things real quick, since you are going to be, you know, that closer role at times. Um, so what is your pitching repertoire right now? You did say you're throwing 90-93, but what does those other other pitches look like? All right. So um, my junior year last year, I shut it down about halfway through the season. Um, I was done pitching, you know, kind of burnt out from pitching. Nothing really wrong. Nothing. No, like injuries or anything, but I shut it down, you know, burnt out. I was like, you know what? I'm done pitching. I'm going to focus on hitting. I'm going to play shortstop. Uh, at the time, I was 90, 92, 93, you know, sitting low 90s. Just I was throwing good, but bad outcomes behind me, you know, decently some errors, and I was just kind of burnt out. You know, I know it happens as part of the game, but hitting is more my my first love, really. I love hitting. I love playing the field. Um, but, uh, I mean, I'm more of, like, fastball, you know, try to hit this kind of guy. But, like, I mean, I'll, I have a decent little slider, nice little change piece. But, you know, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to throw this year, my senior year, maybe just in that closing role. So I just keep my arm fresh for, you know, whatever the future holds. Okay. All right. So flipping that around to the hitting side, your first love. Let's dig into this a little bit. Um, so I just take us through your hitting approach uh, when it comes to, you know, you're on the on deck circle, watching the guy in front of you, uh, walking up to the batter's box. Just take us through, you know, what's going through your mind and kind of what your approach is uh, going into each at bat. Okay. So, you know, I like to play long ball, you know, I love hitting home runs. I love, I love getting a fastball early in the count. So as a hitter in the on deck circle, I really break down release point. You know, what do I look at on his body to, you know, get it out of the hand early? Because spin out of the hand is huge for a hitter. So if I see a fastball grip, if he tips his pitches, you know, a fastball grip, a curveball grip, or if I see it lay and I see it out of his hand, I see a fastball, you know, spin early, I'm spinning early in the count. Like, right as of right now, I'm not looking for anything off speed. I'm looking for fastball elevated, something I can hit out of the yard. But when I'm behind, you know, two strikes, it's, you know, let's, let's, let's widen up a little bit. Let's, let's hit a double in the gap. Let's, let's get on base anyway, how, um, do a job for the team, you know? So I'm, I'm there for the team. Like, I know it's, it's, it's cringy or whatever, but I'm there to win games and be the best teammate I can be. Okay. So are you a big two strike approach guy or for the most part, since you are a power hitter, you like to hit that long ball for the most part? Do you kind of, you know, just keep that same approach throughout the at-bat? No, I don't. I'm a big two-strike guy because I know as two-strike, as two strike, I can widen out and I can still hit the ball, you know, forever. Um, so I'll widen up. I'll shorten up a little bit, you know, keep my head more still. And, I mean, I hit more two-strike home runs than, than you know, early in the count because I am relaxed. I'm like, you know what, let's, let's go to work. Like, try to beat me. Good luck. Um, so, you know, two-strike home runs come more often than you would think, so – so what is that approach change when you go from, you know, your regular approach to the two-strike approach? Yeah, so my my early account approach would be, um, I don't know, maybe six, seven inches out of shoulder width, you know, open stance, 
Um, I have a decent little, little load. So I, I get into my hips, um, pretty well, but when I am two strikes, I wide, but, um, 16 inches. Um, I, I start with my shoulders a little more back, um, bat on the shoulder a little bit. Uh, I'll still get loaded up there. I'll still have the juice to hit it out, but you know, I'm spit, I'm seeing that off speed. So that off speed down, I'm still able to drive a double, you know, being wider, um, and, you know, catching up to the fastball, my hands are fast enough, you know, being shortened, especially a two strike, he tries to go up, you know, I'm, I'm working away, you know, I'm working dead center and still elevate the ball, you know. Yeah. So when it comes to like watching your overall game, so this can be, you know, on the field when you're playing, you know, the majority of all those different positions that you do play uh, when you're on the mound on occasions and when you're in the batter's box and even in the club, uh, in the dugout with your teammates, if you had to write a personal scouting report on yourself, you're the Detroit <laughs> Tigers scout. January 8th down there in San Antonio. What is your personal scouting report on yourself? Um, you know, a lot of poolside pop, you know, powered off fields, um, strong arm, lateral movements there for sure. Um, can really fight off bad pitches to get himself a mistake. That would be my big thing, you know, barrel control. That's what I was talking about. I've been working on that. So, you know, a freaking ball that's two feet off the plate, I'm, I'm fouling that ball off because, you know what, next pitch, you make a mistake, you throw it up and in, and you won't see that ball again. So that would be my power side pop, my my all-fields pop, because, I mean, I, I had two off of home runs during the spring last year. I think it hit seven or eight. So, uh, you know, I got pitched around a lot, I will say. I got intentionally walked 11, 13, 11, 12, 13 times. Uh, I got hit, like, 11 times, too. So I got thrown around a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when it, when it comes to just looking back at your overall game and looking at some of your weaknesses, what are some of those things you are wanting to work on beyond barrel control? I know you've talked about that a couple of times here, but what are some like bigger weaknesses or just things you're wanting to work on before you head to Texas Tech's campus next fall? Right. So, man, um, a big, big thing is being too aggressive. Like, yeah, like I'm a big aggressive guy because I like to swing hard. But being too aggressive will get me in trouble. Um, if I do swing at pitches out of the zone, pitch recognition, and I'm swinging at a curveball early in the count, like, oh, what am I doing? Like, why are you swinging at this? Um, that's nothing you can drive over the fence. But, you know, I really, I really, you know, took that um, to heart. And pitch recognition is something that, you know, you can really, you can't really do on soft toss. You can't do it with a machine. So you need to see live arms. So what we've been doing at my school is we're trying to get all these pitchers to come throw to the hitters, you know, come see live arms because pitch recognition comes when you see live, live bodies, live arms. So, you know, I've been really working on that this, this fall. Okay. All right, man. So I'm down to my last five questions. I have a rapid fire like portion of this podcast. I kind of like to wrap it off. Kind of talk about more of like the personal side of things uh, beyond just baseball. That way the fans get to know you a little bit more than just an athlete. Um, so when it comes to the most influential people, I guess, within your baseball career, um, who are the, you know, the handful of guys, two, three, four people that have been the most influential within your career or in just in your life in general? Okay. Um, I would say probably number one would be my brother um, because he did battle through an injury being and you going through some adversity being told he would never be the same you know fighting through that injury coming back throwing dang near 100 so you know he's he's probably been the most influential you know he really he should he works out two three times a day so it's like dang this guy's a grinder like this guy you know he's big old strong dude so he's pushed me to become stronger faster better at everything um man you know my dad really has 
has been an influence in me in my life because he's coached me ever since I was four or five years old, you know, going in the backyard, coming home from work, dog tired, like playing catch with me. So stuff like that, like, like I, I like I'll never forget it. Like even when I do, you know, hopefully God forbid I, I make, I make it, you know, you know, God's, God's, God's decisions, but you know, hopefully I, I do make it to the highest level. And, uh, you know, I really look back on that and be like, dang, these guys sacrificed so much for me to get to where I am today. Um, so, yeah. So when it comes to when you're beyond the baseball field, what are some of your passions that you have? Obviously, I know we talked about the deer ranch your family has, but besides hunting and besides fishing, uh, what are some of those passions that you have beyond the game of baseball? Okay. Um, man, that's a good one. I like to work out like, like away from, away from the game, like, working out is my getaway. Like, like, yeah, I am doing it to perform better in the game, but man, I'll go in the gym and I'll fight them demons, you know? So every, every bit of anger, it'll come out in the weight room, you know, I'll slam some weight around, you know, get hyped, you know? Um, man, weight, weight lifting. I like to, uh, you know, it's funny. I know this is going to sound, you know, whatever, but I like to shop like I do. Like I like to get away. I like to I like to go to the mall or like go to the outlet mall and like go shop and, you know, treat myself nice because I mean, I work hard. So like, I feel like, you know, every once in a while, it's OK to spend some money on yourself, you know, get you some nice things. And um, I'm a big truck guy. I have a big I have a big F-250 lifted up. So I, I like I enjoy going out there and maybe a truck show or two, you know, something like that. Some engine related stuff. I'm a big like auto guy. Like I love trucks, love cars. Um, so, you know, I get out there, go to a truck show or something, have fun out there. So your family's a Ford family, I take it? Oh, no, no, no. no? Chevy. Okay. Bond. There we go. There we go. Chevy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what, what makes you end up having an F-250 compared to your oh. family being a Chevy family? Oh man, this question gets asked a lot. Um, man it's just it's just personal preference you know it's just how it looks really uh, i mean vehicles nowadays are just made like crap anyway so whatever i get it'll break down eventually but <laughs> i went for aesthetic and it, it's just a personal opinion really so so you know once it does come time for you to you know you're making some good some good cash whether that's a full-time job or you know playing pro ball what's the what's the next truck you're getting oh man i'm i'm staying with f250 i'm i'm staying I can't change it, but I'm going to go, I have a black one right now, so I'm going to go white and I'm going to upgrade maybe a little King Ranch, a little, little platinum. Right now I have an X model, so upgrade some leather interior. All right. I see. I, I mean, I just like General Motors. I guess I like, I like, if it was my opinion, I would go General Motors, with, so GMC, Chevy, Dodge, and then Ford. See, I mean, oh. drive a Ford. It's the, yeah. I tell my, so I get made fun of here at school for saying this, but if it's an American made product, I'm driving it. And right. uh, so, I mean, if it's Chevy, GMC, Dodge, Ford, I mean, I'm driving it, but um, I would definitely go a, a GMC uh, Denali um, heavy duty is, would be my, would be my pick, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Um, my full family's GMC, so I get it. I mean, I've always, I've grown up like grandpa, like stuff like that. It's all, it's always been Chevys. So I get it. I mean, they're all reliable. I'm, I'm not saying Fords are better, but you know, aesthetically, I feel like Fords are better, but engine wise, uh, I'm going to go with the Chevy. So it'll sure. There we go. And then on the farm, are you guys rolling John Deere case? What are you guys doing? John Deere only green, green only. We don't there do we nothing. Go there all right so when it comes to um this is a question i kind of just added 
Um, so, I mean, a lot of people have been struggling with this one. When you're scrolling through your phone, what is that coolest contact that you have in your phone right now? Oh, man. Coolest contact. Oh, man. I would say, you have you ever heard the name Justin Lang? Man, he's a minor league. He plays for the Somehow, He's no, no, he plays for the New York Yankees. He's a, he's like 102, 103. And he got drafted out of high school into Lano in Texas. And uh, we trained together. So, you know, that's, that's definitely the coolest number. You know, a guy that throws 103 miles an hour, yeah. like no one. So, you know, he, he's, you know, we worked out together. Like he, my sophomore year is when we worked out together. And it was like, holy crap, this guy's strong. Like this guy's athletic. Like this guy's fast. And he's a pitcher. And I was just like, I, I I looked up to him like physically. I was like, yeah, I want to look like you when I get older. I want to be bit like, you know. So he really like athletically, like, man, he he really made me want to grind and become the best athlete I can be. So he would be in contact. So I guess when you're around guys like him, I mean Travis Sanders as well, guys who are a little bit older than you, but have gone through, you know, the draft process or have gone through a little bit more things than you have just because they are a little bit older than you. What are a couple of different ways that you go about, you know, picking their brain a little bit and just gaining as much knowledge as possible? Yeah, um, I, I ask a lot of questions because, I mean, I'm curious. I'm a 17-year-old kid, so I'll pick their brains and I'll, I'll ask, like, man, like, why didn't you do this? Like, why why did you go here? Like, what teams called you and, and why did you turn down this team and why did you turn down more money to go to a different team? And, you know, it all comes down to fit. Like, it, like every guy I've talked to that, you know, gets drafted is like, man, it's, it's really personal fit. Like what team do you feel like fits you and what team shows you the most love and which team you think you can grow the best with. It's not really all about that money. Like, I mean, money has a huge play in it. Don't get me wrong, but you know, personal fit and longevity is more important. So that's, that's what I've been told. All right. So when it comes to motivations, kind of what is it that, you know, just helps you get out of bed every day and kind of, you know, just go win the day and kind of go get better. What is it that kind of motivates you to wake up every morning? I mean, it's, it's gotta be the end goal, you know, like you watch professional baseball on TV and like, that's the end goal. You want to be on TV. Like you want to play for X, Y, and Z. You want to be, you want to be in the all-star game. You want to be in the hall of fame. Well, the end goal for me is to be in the Hall of Fame, be one of the most, you know, sought after players to ever play the game. And I know everyone wants to do that. But, you know, I, t I take that to a very serious and practical way because, you know, I'm, I'm God blessed with size and strength and worth ethic. You know, I have resources out the wazoo. So, you know, um, getting up every day would have to be the end goal, you know, playing pro ball. All right. So you kind of touched on it there on my next question, but what does the perfect picture of your life look like 20 years from now? So, you know, you're, you're mid to upper thirties. What does that look like here in 20 years? Everything's going right. What does that look like? Man, I mean, I would say, I mean, I would have a great family, you know, I'd have a wife, two kids, and I would still be playing ball. You know, I still want to be playing ball just like Albert Pujols, you know, old, old dude playing ball, man. That's the, that's the dream, you know? Have me a nice F-250, a big old barn dominium, and a wife, two kids, two boys, and, you know, playing pro ball. So, I don't get no oh, better than that. In, in Texas, too, or are you planning on oh, going yeah. somewhere else? I'm, I'm staying home. Oh, you're Texan for life. Texas for life. All right. All right. Down to the final question. One question I, I, I really like, do like 
asking this question just to end it off. I think it's a fun question. A lot of you guys enjoy answering. So obviously NCAA came out with those NIL regulations, you know, about a year and a half ago, two years ago from now, uh, uh, right. two years ago. Um, so when you do head to Texas Tech, you'll be, get, be able to get that opportunity to capitalize off your name, image, and likeness. What would be one dream brand that you would love to work with when you do head to Texas Tech? Oh, man, that's a good one. I like that one. Um, I would I would say Under Armour. Um, tech Tech is Under Armour sponsored school, so it would have to be a big clothing brand, and it would have to be Under Armour because we can't do anything else. So, I would say Under Armour. Yeah, Under Armour would be my my big brand that I would I would really you know I would look at and and take that one in. So, okay. I mean, I think that, that makes Under Armour two for two today. What are the odds I interview two players and they both say oh. Under Armour? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely one of two of the best, you know, clothing programs like Nike and Under Armour. That's the face of, oh, of course. So you know, I can see that. Yeah. All right, man. That was the last question I had for you. Uh, really All appreciate right. you coming on the show. Uh, I want to wish you the best of luck. You know, head into your career at Texas Tech. Go play pro ball. Uh, hopefully, right. you know, one day I see you in the major leagues playing with your older brother. Um, sure. get you some JKR podcast yeah. merch at some point, potentially see it down there in Texas, but uh, no, just thanks for coming on the show and, you know, best of luck here as you um, go forward with your career. All right, man. I really appreciate it. It was awesome.